Welcome to everyone this morning. We are so glad to have you in service with us today. Amen. We are glad to have you in service with us today. And again, especially if you're a guest, it's so good to have you in the service. Those of you that are watching online, and I know we've got some of you that would be here today, but because of the current guidelines, you're not. So we welcome you. Thank you for being a part of service this morning, wherever you may be. Amen. I feel like there was something else I needed to mention, and it's not coming to me. So, nevertheless, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start my message off this morning in a little bit of an unusual way. I'm also, um, I want to tell you in advance, do not judge the... Uh, the ultimate outcome of this message by the first part of it. Because and you'll maybe understand a little bit more in a minute, but if you if you judge based on the beginning, you're you're gonna just just kind of write it off, I think, as being something that it's really not. But it's a foundation I feel like I should start with. And uh, use it as a launching point. So, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you my my title. And again, I don't know that this is the best title, but I want to preach to you for a little bit this morning. On uh, and I'm not saying they are synonymous by my title, but Jalen, you're good. Thank you. I want to preach to you this morning on the flag. And the Bible. Make sure I do not do this wrongly. I want to read something to you here. Let me uh, let me let me put this a little better. Pardon me a moment. Make sure we're not touching down there. Now I've got to readjust my stuff. Air high five your neighbor and tell them it's good to see you. I, I want to read. Uh, this was this was sent a couple of days ago, and it just as I was feeling direction for this morning, it really it really kind of connected. A couple of days ago, um, Bishop David K. Bernard, he is the current um, superintendent of the organization that we are a part of, the United Pentecostal Church International. He sent. Uh, regularly sends out email communications. And this was a couple of days ago. And there was a couple of parts to this, to this email, but this was this was the heading of the last and really the bulk of the email. And I I want to read a portion of it. 
He says this, both Canada and the U.S. inherited concepts of liberty from English, from the English common law and the Magna Carta of 20, excuse me, of 1215. The American founders held a variety of beliefs, but they were based to a great extent on Christian teachings. Many early settlers came to the New World specifically for freedom to worship God according to their own understanding. Most immigrants also came for economic opportunity based on private property, a market economy, and the rule of law. In formulating the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, the Continental Congress and the Constitutional Convention prayed for God's blessing and guidance. The U.S. Declaration of Independence mentions God no less than four times. And I just want to go on record to declare the God that it was referencing is Jehovah. Not a God, but the God. Second, it famously... Oh, I didn't finish. First, it cites the laws of nature and nature's God. The framers sought to justify their actions not by relativism, but by moral law that originated from God. Second, it famously asserts, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of of happiness. God has created all human being all humans to be of equal worth and respect. Can I get an amen? Human rights do not come from government but from God. And therefore government has no authority to take them away. Government cannot guarantee happiness. But it can protect the pursuit of opportunities based on personal abilities and preferences. Third, the declaration appear, appeals to the supreme judge of the world. The framers depended upon divine justice. They expected that God would judge their oppressors and they were willing in turn for God to judge their actions. Finally, the declaration invokes the protection of divine providence. They relied upon God's blessing, grace, and care for the new nation. To safeguard human rights, the U.S. Constitution includes the Bill of Rights, which is designed to protect basic freedoms against government and majority opinion. Because they stem from the created order. Most importantly, the First Amendment protects the freedoms of religion, speech, press, peaceful assembly, and petition. These freedoms are based on biblical teachings of the human conscience, the value of the human soul, and individual accountability to God. The U.S. Constitution rests on these principles. It is the oldest existing written constitution in the world, at the time it was adopted, the major nations had various forms of monarchy. None was fully democratic. The Constitution 
instituted a Republican government name, excuse, yes, a Republican government, namely a representative democracy to guard against a tyranny in the major, of the majority. It created a limited government of enumerated powers, separation of powers and checks and balances. The reason for these limitations and checks is that the framers understood the biblical doctrine of universal human sinfulness. As James Madison explained, if humans were angels, there would be no need for government. They knew that as Lord Acton would later state, power tends to corrupt and absolute power corrupts absolutely. I've heard varying opinions and attitudes and whatever, but from my understanding, and I would assume that the majority in this room would agree that this nation was founded on these principles. That it was founded on a trust not in a God, but in the God. That the God of the Bible is the only God. And so they may have had different beliefs when it comes to certain doctrinal areas, but I believe they were all referring to the God. One nation under the God. Not a God, but the God. And I've read to you, and many of you are much more knowledgeable in all of this than I am, but I've read to you some of the principles and parts of the founding of this nation. All men created equal. All men having equal rights. That's That was the principles. And this flag that I have... I emailed Brother Yu or, or texted him actually right before service because I'm quite sure I would be surprised if I didn't that somehow somebody would text him or call him and say, Brother Yu, the flag is missing. And uh, it would start quite a frenzy. So I just took care of that and texted Brother Yu to say, if you hear or see the flag's gone, I've got it. <laughs> but, but this flag, that's what this flag stands for. That's what this flag represents. It is said that the colors of the flag, red symbolizes hardiness and valor. White symbolizes purity and innocence. Blue represents vigilance, perseverance, and justice. There are people that have died for the purpose of us being able to have this flag and what it represents. There are people that are in this room today that have served in the military to continue the freedoms that we have that we take so for granted many times. And while obviously the fact that they are here indicates they did not lose their lives, I would imagine there's some in this room that have suffered consequences such as PTSD for their service to defend and protect this nation. And so I wasn't trying to cut that short. I think it's very appropriate that we honor all of those that may be in this room today that you have worn a uniform to protect and defend this nation. 
I realize I am aware that not every soldier, sailor, sailor, not every Marine that gets out of the military is patriotic when they get out. Some get out and they're bitter because of what they've experienced and gone through. But there are a lot of folks that have served this country and have great respect and honor for this flag. The challenge that I think we face today is, for many, what this really represents it does not represent that to them anymore. Because the bottom line is there is no way in this world to create anything perfect by human effort and ability. And as Bishop Bernard stated, they understood the the sinfulness of man. I gotta tell you, I find it and stay with me because part of my, I will, I will be a little less vague. I'm not here this morning to preach a political message to you. I'm not here to preach politics, so bear with me. But I'm, I am going to tell you, and, and I don't know, this may not be the Holy Ghost. This may just be my own personal whatever bleeding through for a moment, but forgive me. I, I find it to be a little offensive these last several years that I am not supposed to be proud of the fact that I live in the country that this flag represents. I quickly acknowledge to you this is not a perfect country. It never was, it is not, and it never will be. But again, my my point of this today is not where we are right now in the current climate, but it's about what this represents of the nation that we are in. It was the viewing of A flag, a U.S. flag, obviously it wasn't the same design as this one, but it was the viewing of a U.S. flag that was waving over Fort McHenry, which is not too far from us, as most of you in this room know. It was the waving of that flag after a night of warfare that Francis Scott Key was inspired to pen the words of what has become our national anthem. There's some, there's some, there's some pretty specific guidelines as to how this is supposed to be handled. I'm going to read them, some of them to you. This comes from PBS.org. The flag is usually displayed from sunrise to sunset. It should be raised briskly and lowered ceremoniously. In inclement weather, the flag should not be flown. The flag should be displayed daily and on all holidays, weather permitting, on on or near the main administration buildings of all public institutions. It should also be displayed in or near every polling place on election days and in or near every schoolhouse during school days. 
when displayed flat against a wall or on a window or in a vertical orientation, the union field of stars should be uppermost and to the left of the observer. When the flag is raised or lowered as part of a ceremony and it is passed by in a parade or review, everyone except those in uniform should face the flag with the right hand over the heart. The U.S. flag should never be dipped toward any person or object, nor should the flag ever touch anything beneath it. Not supposed to burn the flag, and yet we've seen more and more in our country that the burning of the flag is a is a part of protest and making some kind of political statement. But I, I, I remind you, this this doesn't this isn't all about where we are today. This isn't about 2020 and ultimately this is supposed to represent the things that this nation was founded on. The principles that this nation was founded on. I'm sure some of you could sing some of these and over the last couple of days with it being the weekend and July 4th upon us, we hear them a little bit more, but we sing songs, we hear songs such as some that I'm about to mention, stars and stripes forever. The stars and stripes forever, let martial note in triumph float and liberty extend its mighty hand. A flag appears mid thunderous cheers, the banner of the western land. The emblem of the brave and true, it folds, its folds protect no tyrant crew. The red and white and starry blue is freedom's shield and home. Other nations may deem their flags the best and cheer them with fervid elation, but the flag of the north and south and west is the flag of flags, the flag of freedom's Nation. It was John Philip Sousa who wrote this and he was asked, Who influenced you to compose Stars and Stripes Forever? And before the question was hardly asked, Sousa replied, God, and I say this in all reverence. The composition was actually born of homesickness as Sousa freely told interviewers in some of the melodic lines were conceived while he was still in Europe, in one such interview he stated, In a kind of dreamy way I used to think over old days at Washington when I was leader of the Marine Band, when we played at all public official functions, and I could see the stars and stripes flying from the flagstaff in the grounds of the White House just as plainly as if I were back there again. Then I began to think of all the countries I had visited, of the foreign people I had met, of the vast difference between America and American people in other countries and other places, and that flag of ours became glorified. And to my imagination, it seemed to be the biggest, grandest flag in the world And I could not get back under it quick enough. It was in this impatient, fretful state of mind that the inspiration to compose the Stars and Stripes Forever came to me. 
And to my imagination, it was a genuine inspiration, irresistible, complete, definite, and I could not rest until I had finished the composition. Then I experienced a wonderful sense of relief and relaxation. I was satisfied, delighted with my work after it was done. The feeling of impatience passed away, and I was content to rest peacefully until the ship had docked and I was once more under the folds of the grand old flag of our country. Again, it's not about all of the things where we are today, although I find it to be very interesting. I don't know of anybody that's fighting to get out of America. But there's a lot of people that are fighting to get in. It's kind of interesting that this place that so many Americans are now critical of is the place that much of the world still tries to get to. (laughs) I'm trusting that the tightness here is not because of the disagreement with the message this morning. If you've ever, I, I, if you've ever, I, I, I don't know why. I guess some of it may have to do with the fact that my grandfather served in the Navy for his career. My dad was in the Navy. I don't know if I've ever said this publicly, but had it not been for the feeling of call to the ministry, I would have at least attempted to spend some time in the Navy, but I did not feel like that was my calling. I don't know if that's where it comes from. I'm sure it contributes to it, but I consider myself to be a pretty patriotic person. If you've ever stood, especially in a Navy football game, and they started playing, if tomorrow all the things were gone, I worked for all my life, and I had to start again with just my children And my wife, I'd thank my lucky stars to be living here today because the flag still stands. It still represents freedom and you can't take that away. I'm proud to be an American where at least I know I'm free. I'm not better than anybody else because I'm an American. Don't, Don't miss my message this morning. And again, this isn't the goal of the message, but, but, but I'm not better than anybody else because I was born here. But I'm thankful I was born here. Proud to be an American where at least I know I'm free and I won't forget the men who died who gave that right to me. I'll gladly stand up next to you and defend her still today because there ain't no doubt I love this land. God bless the USA. I've stood there and heard an entire stadium sing that and goosebumps go up and down my back and it wasn't the presence of God. It's because of what it stands for. It's because of what it represents. Another one of those great songs is America, also known as my country, tis of thee. My country, tis of thee, sweet land of liberty. Of thee I sing, land where my fathers died, land of the pilgrim's pride. From every mountainside let freedom ring. 
my native country, thee, land of the noble free, thy name I love. I love thy rocks and rills, thy woods and templed hills. My heart with rapture thrills like that above. Let the music swell, the breeze and ring, the, and ring from all the trees, sweet freedom's song. Let mortal tongues awake, let all that breathe partake. Let rocks their silence break, the sound prolong. Our fathers, God, to thee, author of liberty, to thee we sing. Long may our land be bright with freedom's holy light. Protect us by thy might, great God, our King. Another one, oh, beautiful for spacious skies, for amber ways of grain, for purple mountains, majesty above the fruited plain. America, America, oh America, you need to know this next line. God shed His grace on thee and crown thy good with brotherhood from sea to shining sea. Oh beautiful for pilgrim feet whose stern impassioned stress a thoroughfare for freedom beat across the wilderness. America, America, God mend thine every flaw. Confirm thy soul in self-control, thy liberty in law. O beautiful for heroes proved in liberating strife, who more than self their country loved, and mercy more than life. America, America, may God thy gold refine, till all success be nobleness and every gain divine. We know, we know from history it wasn't long after the creating of this country, its flaws were already coming to the surface. We we know that it didn't take a whole lot of time in this new nation under God for there to be things that were not right. But again, the point is the principle on which it was founded is what this is supposed to represent. And we honor it because of what it represents and and the heritage that it stands for. Perfect, obviously not, but nevertheless, it is the land of liberty. I have been, if I counted correctly, and I may have missed one or two, if I were to count the places that I've had layovers, which I don't really count a layover someplace in an airport as being considered being there, but if I were to count that, it would be over 30. But the countries that I have visited around the world, if my count is correct, I've visited 28 countries in the world. I've seen some beautiful places. I've met some absolutely awesome people in my travels. I've seen some amazing sights. But I'm always thankful to get back home. Because there's just no place else like it. (laughs) We use the statement here sometimes figuratively that they live in a dump. There are people, as many of you know, around the world that it's not a figurative description of where they live. It's literally where they live. They live in the dump. They live where the trash is collected. And they live where the stench is such that if you're not used to it, it'll make you gag and maybe even more than that. I just want to take a moment again. I'm I'm not done and 
I, I'm, I'm not getting much help this morning. I'm a little bit surprised, but that's all right. Didn't get much help last week. I guess it's still the, the uncomfortableness of all of this. So whatever, I'll just take it as being that. I always insert irrelevant things like that, and that's usually the thing that causes me to lose my train of thought, and it did. What was I saying before I digressed? Yes, people living. If you have never, if you've never traveled outside of this country, I don't mean to be offensive. The... The person in this room, hear me for a moment, please. This, this is really, this part wasn't in the notes. The person in this room that lives in the least desirable place out of anybody in this room is a mansion compared to what a major percentage of the world's population lives in. What you and I would refer to as being a dump would be not a step up. It'd be a mountain up from where a major percentage of the world's population, the conditions they live in. Can can I just remind at least this group of people this morning that are in this sanctuary and those that are watching, before you begin to be just so critical of the flaws of this nation, <laughs> you need to remember you got it pretty good. I, I've I've... I've been flown in by a, an airplane, one of the most memorable experiences of my life. I, I was flown in by a, on a float plane, small float plane that landed on the Amazon River in the interior of the Amazon. And, uh, my friend Kevin Howard and I, who were traveling and ministering together during my time in Brazil, we stood there on the pier and watched as that boat took back off and left us and and I know those of you that have served in the military especially I don't this story doesn't compare at all to what you've been through but just forgive me for sharing my story okay <laughs> but I, I've never felt more alone in my entire life standing there as a 19-year-old kid in the middle of the Amazon watching my connection to civilization fly away and walking down the streets of a little village where the entire village had electricity two times a day when a generator was turned on for two hours a day. And sleeping in the living room of a house in a hammock and bathing in a bathroom where the shower was a container of water and a coconut shell that you literally scooped the water out of the container and that was the way you bathed. The bathroom was a hole in the ground. To use a phone to call home, we had to take about a 45 minute to an hour boat ride to get to where a phone was. This place is not perfect. This country is far from perfect. 
but I believe because of the principles that it was founded on. We've been blessed by the Almighty God. Not because we're better than. Not because we're more important than. But in honor of why we came here. So can I just remind you for a moment. Before you get so totally focused on all the flaws. Just remember what this stands for. And we still, even though some of them are being taken away. We've got some freedoms and liberties. Because we have been founded under God. But you know what? The attitude about this flag to me as a whole is not what it used to be. It's not the attitude that used to be in this nation. We find it more and more disrespected. We find it more and more misused and abused. And we find more and more it being resented. But it, it represents something. No matter where we are, and I will say today, no matter what the future holds in this nation, this is not all about where we are right now. This is about representing where we came from. And you may not respect it because of where we are, but I'm going to tell you I respect it because I've lived a very blessed life with a lot of privileges and things that I would not have had had I been someplace else because of what this represents. I am not here today, I think I said it already, but I'll say it one more time. I am not here today in any way to equate this flag with the Bible. All of that, as long as that took, was really about just kind of a principle to get to the real point. Because again, it doesn't matter what attitudes there may be. It really doesn't matter what people say. If you and I look at this based on what it represents, based on what it stands for, your attitude won't be like a lot of the attitudes that we face today. Let's, let's spend the next few minutes, not the flag, But the Bible. I, I, I don't want to. This isn't to embarrass anybody because it's it's probably going to be the majority. So, and and before you feel like what I'm about to ask is judging anybody, let me finish my point. Everybody that's that has not not a device, not an iPad, not a phone. I want everybody that has an actual Bible with you right now, would you lift it up? I have to actually admit I'm a little bit surprised. Pleasantly surprised. I, I got convicted. I don't remember now, a couple of years ago, I got convicted when I'd go to grab my Bible when I was preaching to make a point and have to hold up my iPad. 
I got, I got all kinds of Bible translations. And please hear me this morning. This is not. I'm not here to tell you you have to carry a Bible to church. But I, I got convicted about the fact my my iPad is not. I mean, I'm sorry. Maybe you don't do this. God bless you. But I I. I, I I watch TV shows sometimes on this. I watch sports. I I watch college football on this. I <laughs> these are not synonymous. If I hold this up, I have to tell you in here I have a Bible app. If I hold this up, I don't have to explain anything. If I hold this up, you know exactly what it is. I can sit in the airport. I can be out in public and be embarrassed to carry my Bible because I don't want anybody know me to know I'm a Christian. And I can open my device and sit there and read my Bible and nobody ever knows. But it's kind of hard to sit there in public and pull this out and people go, what you reading there? Because as the old term we've become to use, and it's not 100% the case, but that old black book, most people know what that old black book is because there are there are things written in the pages of this book that people are aware whether they ascribe to it or not they're aware that the greatest truths that have ever been given to mankind are in the pages of this book notice this the same way again i I feel like I'm I'm sort of doing what I'm telling you I'm not doing and I'm not trying to do it, so at least hear that part. But the same way in which, to me, the attitude and, and the feelings about this red, white, and blue are not the same, that's where we have gotten in our world today about this. The bottom line, though, is when it comes to this, this is just a natural temporal thing. And it really, at the end of the day, it is just the flag of a country. This is not just a flag. This is not just a book. This is not just some good book. This is the eternal word of God. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Not one jot, not one tittle of this word is ever going to fail. But I want you to hear something because you leave here today if there are those of you in this room that you don't consider yourself to be very patriotic. I, I don't really care. That has no effect on my love for you. That has no effect on my willingness to be your friend, your pastor, whatever else. At the end of the day, that really kind of boils down to just personal preference. So that's the flag. But when it comes to this book, that's a whole different story. When it comes to what this book represents, it's not just the flag, take it or leave it, respect it or disrespect it. It's a whole different thing. And yet we watch in our world today that an attitude similar, but I would declare to you even worse, is evolving and continuing to evolve in our word against the word of God. But you ought to know it's nothing to be surprised about because the apostle Peter told us in Second Peter chapter 3 and verse number 1, 
this second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Verse 3. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts. Can I ask you a question this morning? How can it be that Bible believe, I'm not putting a denominational name on it. I'm, I mean as general as you want to make it. How can it be that Bible believing people would allow their confidence and trust and faith in the Word of God to be influenced by those that willingly acknowledge they have no desire to live a life according to the Word of God and they don't really even care about God. They're just living after their own lusts. And I'm going to let them tell me that this is just a book. I'm going to let them cause me to question whether or not my life should be based upon this book. I, I, I go back. Let me, let me go back for a moment. This this book that, and I, and I have to tell you, I, I stopped carrying it to preach because all my notes were in here. I would put my scriptures in so I didn't have to look them up. And, 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 and then if I really needed, if something came to mind, all I had to do was switch to the app and I could open up the Bible in, in my app and I could read a verse if I didn't have it in my notes. And so, I mean, you know, hey. you know what? People have literally died for you and I to be able to hold one of these. Lives have literally been lost. Not talking figuratively here. Not talking about just hardship and sacrifice. I'm talking about lives have been lost. People continue to put their lives on the line smuggling these into countries where it is illegal to have it. And I, I'm talking to me, I am going to stop carrying it to the pulpit when I preach because I can have it just in my iPad. No, I don't read every verse. If you've paid attention, I don't read every verse. I don't look up every verse. But there's just something that I felt convicted about having it here. There are countries, there are places in the world that if they walked in and saw what we do, sit our Bibles on the floor underneath, they would be highly offended. This isn't supposed to touch the ground, right? This isn't supposed to touch the ground. (laughs) I guess they feel if you can feel that way about just a flag, and literally, you don't put your Bible on the ground under your seat. It doesn't touch the ground. 
And we're in a world, we're in a country that's trying to take away our beliefs that this is not just a book. And again, it's not just a good book. And it's not just another book. And it's not just simply a good choice or option as to how you live. The author of this book said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Jude, and there is only one chapter in Jude, so Jude verse number 17 says this, But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you that there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. I want you to notice the connection between what Peter said and what Jude said. Peter says, in the last days, there's going to be scoffers. Jude says, in the last days, there's going to be mockers. But notice the thing that they both have in common. They walk after their own Lusts, their own ungodly lusts. You're going to let somebody that's walking after their own ungodly lusts tell you that this book is not that important? You're going to let somebody that's living for their own selfish desires tell you that you don't have to worry about what this book says? Peter told us, Jude told us, you need to know that in the last days, This is what is going to happen. Listen to what Isaiah says in Isaiah 5 and 18. Woe unto them that draw iniquity with cords of vanity and sin as it were with a cart rope. He's kind of saying woe to those that that, uh, they're, they're dragging, they're pulling all of their junk behind them. They're not letting it go. They're not running from it. Paul said, flee fornication. Paul says, run from fornication. And they're pulling it with them. Verse 19, and this is, this is, you, you, you don't get it, maybe just first read here. So let me tell you, this verse is sarcastic. They say, let him make speed, speaking of God, and hasten his work that we may see it. And let the counsel of the Holy One of Israel draw nigh and come that we may know it. If, if everything that God's saying is so real, if everything that God said is so true, why don't he just go ahead and prove it? If the morality of this nation, if God really cares about it, if it's really contrary to God and His Word, then just go ahead and show it. That is such a foolish statement. That is such foolish thinking. And then he says this, they, woe to them that call evil good and good evil that put darkness for light and light for darkness that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. 
This is, this is what's coming. Don't be surprised. Don't, don't be shocked in 2020 by the attitude toward the Word of God and toward Christianity and towards Bible-believing people. Don't be shocked that even our own government now makes decisions and choices that are contrary to those that believe in the Word of God, that stand upon the same principles that the nation we are in was founded on. Don't be surprised by it. The Living Bible says it this way. Woe to those who drag their sins behind them like a bullock on a rope. They even mock the Holy One of Israel and dare the Lord to punish them. Hurry up and punish us, O Lord, they say. We want to see what you can do. Come on, God, go ahead. You're so real. You're so big and bad. Go ahead. Scripture says, don't you know, it's the long-suffering of God. It's the grace of God that doesn't bring the judgment upon us that we deserve individually. It's the grace of God that doesn't bring the judgment upon us that we deserve as a nation. And we deserve judgment from God. We could sit here for a long while and list all of the reasons why we as a nation deserve the judgment of God. And if you think the fact that hasn't happened is because this book isn't true and because God isn't really serious about it, that just shows, excuse me, but how absolutely ignorant you are. Because those that believe that this book is true and real understand the only reason God hasn't fried this nation. How do you go from in God we trust? How do you go from the principles we were founded upon to now endorsing things that God says are an abomination? How do you go from that to now endorsing the fact that you can take the life of an unborn child? How do you go from that and violating God's laws and think that we're still here because God isn't serious? It's the grace and the mercy of God. And I'm going to tell you and declare to the rest of the world today, there There's also a reason why judgment that is deserved has not come. And that's because of people like you and people like me. That God, as I preached last Sunday night, I don't care what the majority may say. I don't care what the majority may do. God's got a remnant. God's got a group of people that stand upon the foundation of His Word. And so, I don't care if your attitude about this flag changes if it's not the same as mine. I don't care if you think you ought to honor it or not. That's really not my point. You can leave the same way you came in. But I pray in the next few moments your attitude about this might change if it needs to or that it might be reinforced if it needs to by some of the things, and I don't have time to go into all of them, but by just a few of the things that this book says, Psalms 19, 
14 and verse 9, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Anybody here this morning know what it's like to open the pages of this book? You're struggling. You're going through difficulties. You're dealing with challenges in your life. You've got uncertainty that's going on and you open this book and the Spirit of the Lord, it's not chance, it's not coincidence, but the Spirit of the Lord directs you to some words and you begin to read those words in the in the middle of your uncertainty. You begin to read those words in the middle of your fear And those words become as sweet as honey in the honeycomb. Psalms 119, most of you know this, but Psalms 119, there's 176 verses in Psalms 119. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. Out of 176 verses, if I'm not mistaken, it's over over 170, I believe that makes some kind of direct reference to the Word of God. In essence, the longest chapter in the Bible is all about the Bible. (laughs) No, you won't find the word Bible in Psalm 119, but you will find words such as laws, precepts, judgments, testimonies, commandments, statutes, in almost every verse. Let me just read to you a couple of those verses. 119, 102. I have not departed from thy judgments, for thou hast taught me. How sweet are thy words unto my taste. Yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through thy precepts I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Verse number 105, thy word, thy word, not Facebook, not Fox News, not CNN, not a college professor, not a psychologist, not a psychiatrist, not a politician for sure, not a government, not a nation, thy word, not a trend, Not what's currently popular. Thy word is the lamp to my feet and the light unto my path. I've used this many times before. I'll probably use it many in the future besides today. I, I, I want you to, I want you, if you got sunglasses, you might want to put them on real quick because I don't want to hurt your eyes because I I just turned the light on on my phone. How many? I don't I don't see any of you squinting. I don't see anybody putting your hand in front of your face because you. Why? Because this room is already well lit, and so a little light in a well-lit place, doesn't have any impact. 
I don't think I'm the only one here today who has gotten accustomed to frequently using this in the dark. I've walked through some very dark rooms using this. And you know what? When I turned it on, it didn't light up the entire room like it was day. It didn't make it bright enough to be able to do whatever you wanted to do. But, but what it did was it became a light to my path. It showed me where I could step. It showed me where to go. And can I tell you today, this may not seem to be lighting up the world around you. It may not be driving all the darkness from around you, but that's okay. If you will simply allow it to be the lamp to your feet and the light to your path, while others may be falling and stumbling in the darkness, for you the Word of God can be enough light to let you know you need to go this direction and you start to go this direction and it says, no, don't go that direction. You you need to go this direction. This is not just a book. Psalm 119 and 127 I love Thy commandments above gold. Yea, above fine gold. That's kind of a different attitude than what we see in this world today. I wonder, don't raise your hands on this one. I don't want an outward response. I wonder how many of you, if you were, if you had to go find your Bible right now, Assuming it's at home and you were at home. I wonder how many of you might have to look around for a little bit. Ah, where did I, where did I put it last? Where did I leave it last? Again, I'm really not preaching to you this morning about this physical book. That's not my point. And if you still come to church with a phone or an iPad and don't carry your Bible, I I really don't care. I'm not trying to make a proclamation. I'm telling you for me what I've decided. And, And I don't have a right to judge you for what God has impressed upon me. That's not some kind of clearly stated doctrine in this book. Okay? But but it again it's the principle. It says I love your commandments above gold. And then last verses, and I'm done. Job. Job. I think most people here know the story of Job, but just really quickly, just the real quick summary is, Job is in the Guinness Book of World Records for the worst day. I honestly, I've never heard of any other person whether living or that's already died in history, I've never heard of another person that to me had a worse day than Job. And in one single day, Job chapter 1 tells us, in one single day, Job lost everything that mattered to him except for his wife. 
Job was a very wealthy man, and in one single day, he lost all of his wealth. But worse than all of that was Job had seven sons and three daughters, and those seven sons and three daughters were gathered together in one house, and in one single accident, he lost ten children, all ten children. I said he lost everything but his wife, and no offense, I think he might have wished she had been at that house. Because the only thing she had to say to Job was, why don't you just curse God and die? I don't know if they already had insurance policies back then or not, but if they did, I'm pretty sure Job's wife had a policy. I've lost all my possessions. I've lost my kids. You are in miserable shape. He was very sick. You're in miserable shape. Would you just please curse God and die so I can cash out my policy and move on? And yet we read the end of the book of Job and we find out the end was much different than the beginning. Can I just pause and tell somebody this morning, the end of your life does not have to reflect the beginning. If, to, if, if all you've known or the, the basics of what you've known to this point in your life is failure and mistakes and mess-ups, that does not mean that that's all your future can be. I can tell you today about the power of the blood of Jesus Christ that is able to transform a life. And I know I'm among some people today that are living testimonies to say, if I was still what I was, I would not be here. But because of the grace and mercy of God, So watch, watch, watch. Here's what somebody come give hope. Job 23 and verse 11. The verses before this, I'm not going to take time to read them. The verses before this, Job Job basically says, I I, I was trying to find God. (laughs) I couldn't find Him. I looked in front of me. I looked behind. I looked on the right. I looked on the left. I couldn't find Him. And then he says, my foot had held His steps. His way have I kept and not declined. Verse number 12. Neither have I gone back from the commandment of His lips. Now watch this. I have esteemed the words of His mouth. For you and I, that's this. I have esteemed the words of His mouth more than my necessary food. I need this. I got to have this even more than I need natural sustenance. I have to tell you, I can, I may not agree, but I can somewhat understand why there are some of the attitudes today that there are towards this flag. But I'm just going to tell you, I have no ability to comprehend the attitudes that are in our world today about the Word of God. Because again, 
This country may have been founded upon what were the right principles, but as anything man does, it's not perfect. But this book was authored by the perfect one. The scripture says, in him there's no variableness. There's no shadow of turning. He's the same. I challenge somebody today. Especially if you're at a point right now where your value of this book, and again, I'm not talking about the physical book. I'm talking about what it is as the Word of God. That if you're at a point in your life today that this book has no real value or place. If you can't say you can understand what Job said. I've esteemed the words of God more than I needed my own food. I want to encourage you this morning here in just the next moment or two. Would you ask the Lord to help you today? Would you ask Him to help you reach that place where you can say the same thing that the psalmist said? Your word is the light to my path. I'm not going to decide which direction I'm going to go in my life. I'm not going to just make my own choices based on what I want or what I think, what I feel. But I'm going to allow the light of your word. There may be darkness around me. The rest of the world may not be living by that light, but I'm going to allow the light of your word to be a lamp to my feet. Would you just bow your heads, close your eyes for a moment right where you are, again, under the current guidelines that we are working to abide by. I'm not going to invite anybody to come and pray, but just right where you are for a moment. I'd like to encourage those of you that you can relate to what I preached and and you can relate to what the psalmist said. You can relate to what Job said. Would you just, would you take a moment and ask God to help you? God, don't ever let my love for your word diminish. Don't ever let my value of your word and its importance diminish. Don't ever let my reverence and respect for your word. Again, I'm not talking right now about the actual physical book. I'm talking about the word of God as the word of God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus the name of Jesus. For just a moment, if you're praying, keep praying. But if you're not praying for just a moment, would you join me in this, in this course kind of as a, as a closing prayer here today? Pour down like rain, washing my eyes to see your majesty. To be still and know you're in this place. Please let me stay and rest in your holiness. Word of God, speak. 
Would you pour down like rain Washing my eyes to see Your majesty To be still and know You're in this place Please let me stay and rest In your holiness Word of God speak Pour down like rain Washing my eyes to see Your majesty To be still and know You're in this place Please let me stay and rest In your holy Word of God speak Won't you pour down like rain, washing my eyes to see your majesty, to be still and know you're in this place. Please let me stay and rest in your holiness. Word of God, speak. Pour down like rain, washing my eyes to see your majesty, to be still and know you're in this place. Please let me stay and rest. I know it's I know it's almost twelve and we're usually done pretty much by then, but for just another moment, would you just anybody ever been looking through a a, 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 a a sort of foggy, dingy windshield because of the outside, and you turn on the windshield wipers, and the cleaner starts to spray, and the wipers start wiping, and if it's not too terribly dirty. After a few moments of that, once again, there's clarity. I think a lot of times, not talking about our physical sight, but our spiritual sight becomes very cloudy by what's going on in the world around us. And if you're not comfortable doing this, I know it's going to be a little bit odd, but it's just what I feel to those of you that would join me. Would you just, as we sing this another time or two would you just would you take a hand and just kind of rest it on your eyes as a demonstration to say God wash my eyes I want to see clearly I don't want to I don't want to I don't want what I'm seeing I don't want what I'm perceiving to be clouded by everything that's going on around me right now in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus Word of God, speak. Would you pour down like rain, washing my eyes to see your majesty, to be still and know you're in this place. Please let me stay and rest in your holiness. Word of God, speak. 
pour down like rain. Wash my eyes, Lord. I want to be able to see right. I want to be able to see clearly. To be still and know you're in this place. Please let me stay and rest in your holiness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. If this was obviously usual circumstances, I would just probably continue on as is. But again, under the circumstances we are in, we are going to begin to dismiss. The ushers are going to again start from the back and let you know when it's your row. Can I see about uh, seven or eight hands if you'll stick behind and help us with the disinfecting, wiping the surfaces down. Thank you. If you're going to do that again, you just stay seated until everyone is dismissed. And then also, if you want to pick up your Living Logos books, remain seated while they initially let folks go, and then we will come back and let you know when to go. God bless you. Thank you so much for being here with us today.